all places together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of All Places Together. I'm Emery Kate Sanders, and we're your podcast hosts. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. This week's episode is called The Envious and the Generous. It's week two of our parable series here at All Places Together. And last week we got all of the setup, we prepared for the parables, and this week we're going to start digging into an example. So if you didn't listen to last week, you may want to pause this and go back and listen to that episode first, you know, or not, and you'll just learn as you go. But before we jump into this week's story, we wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who submitted parables for the People's Choice episode. Voting is complete, and uh, Colleen and I will be cracking open our Bibles this week to explore the parable that y'all chose. I was surprised and encouraged that actually both of the parables that Emma, Kate, and I selected were ones that were also submitted by listeners. So I feel like that's a little bit of the Holy Spirit. So shout out to Laura for submitting her husband's favorite parable, Luke, which is the one that I chose for today, the parable of the vineyard workers. So the flow of these next three episodes is designed to help us hear the story in context and set aside our assumptions about it. We'll read through the parable once, work through the historical context, take a look at what's going on with Jesus when he was telling the parable, and then listen to the parable again. During the second reading, we'll invite you to really reflect on how God might be speaking through the words to you today. A great reference that I relied on heavily while preparing for today's episode is Amy Jill Levine's book, Short Stories by Jesus. I'll reference her work a couple times throughout the episode. I just wanted to give that reference at the beginning to make sure it made it in. So, all right, let's dig in. This is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. 
but he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So, Colleen, as we're listening to this story for the first time, uh, or first time today, what, what's some context here? Situate us in this story. What do we need to know about uh, maybe the economic system that's going on in the story? Yeah. I think starting there is the exact right place to start because I'm, in my modern ears, as soon as I start hearing this parable, one of the things that comes to mind um, is the hiring of agricultural workers, um, perhaps who are migrant workers or who are undocumented workers in the United States um, in the modern day or throughout history when this type of thing has happened. And that is not the context of this story. <laughs> so even though that's like where my mind went and maybe yours is too, it's really important to like set that image and any presumptions or assumptions or even prejudices that come with that out of our minds. Um, because what is happening here is just the standard hiring practice for Jesus's day that this would be very normal um, for the manager of the vineyard or the farm, whatever it was, to go into the marketplace and hire who's there. The manager would likely have an idea about how many workers they need for what the job is, and especially as that manager grew in experience, right? Like they would know how many people to try to hire. And the denarius is like the very standard pay for a day. Dr. Levine was saying that it's enough to feed a family for three to six days, depending on the number of people. So it's a, it's a living wage. Like it is a decent living wage that this manager is offering. But what's weird is how the manager keeps going back to the marketplace to keep hiring. Like that's what is supposed to be piquing our interest in this story. Like, because we think that the, the manager should know like what the job is, how many people they need in order to get the job done. But the manager keeps going back. And I think another important thing to realize in the text is that there's no indication that the people who are hired later in the day are less capable or that they are somehow ritually or religiously unclean or impure. Um, we don't really know why they weren't hired. And all they say is that we weren't hired earlier on. And we don't know if they were doing something else or they were there the whole time. We don't know why maybe the manager didn't hire them first thing in the morning. But I think oftentimes with this parable, people want to assign some type of value or like judgment on the workers as to why they were hired at various points in the day. And that's just not something that we get from the text. So that's like another thing that I, I think is important to kind of set aside. Yeah, the only thing that 
that we can really point to is that they just weren't there at the beginning. That's that's the only thing that we could see that would be counting against them, perhaps. But even that, it's just a matter of circumstance of when they when they were there and when the manager happened to see them or encounter them, even. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe they were bartering with another manager of a different place for you know a different opportunity that didn't work out. But like this isn't a like who got picked last on the kickball team vibe. Like, this is not right. a helpful thing to ascribe to this text. Well, wh- where does this story fall in with some of Jesus's other teachings? Like, how, how do we see this um, in his context of what he's trying to say? Yeah, and I, though I've preached on this text before, I don't think I ever really paid as much attention to what Jesus was saying beforehand And because that actually really changes the perspective of this text. Again, a common interpretation of this um, text is that Jesus is somehow talking about like heaven or who's being chosen or included by God, that there's some type of like end of times vibe for this. However, I think if we actually look at what the story is, Um, is that happens right before it, I think that really shifts this perspective to actually this parable being about economic justice. So the story that's right before this at the end of chapter 19 in Matthew is a rich man comes to Jesus and wants to know like, how how is he going to get into heaven? And Jesus says that it's harder for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go into heaven. So on the one hand, it's like, well, I don't know, Colleen, it seems like Jesus was just talking about who's getting to heaven. Why wouldn't it be a story about heaven or afterlife or who's being chosen? But I actually wonder about this parable being a lesson for the rich man on how to live out, you know, faith and love and justice in this life such that maybe that eye of the needle gets a little bit bigger for him to go through. Now, of course, I don't actually believe that we earn our salvation or anything like that. Um, But I think that's like an interesting way to think about it, that this is um, a parable like for, for for this particular rich man and then perhaps all people who find themselves with economic benefit. Yeah, it's it's curious to me like what the motivation of the landowner was. And it's not apparent to us. We don't get that detail of like why he's continuing to hire these people. Um, so I think that that really underscores your point that it's like, well, what what are people with some sort of wealth or abundance, whether that's economic or in some other, you know, privilege or power that we have, like what what do you do with that? That that's not just an end. That um, part of that is is turning back to all the other people. Yeah, like how you how you turn that back out to other people and pour it back in about like the community care about like building you know the vision of heaven in the here and now. Like one of the ways we do that is by being generous with what we have a lot of. And I really liked how Amy Jill Levine phrased this next quote and thinking about how we can be generous. 
that if the householder can afford it, he should continue to put others on the payroll, pay them a living wage, even if they cannot put in a full day's work, and so allow them to feed their families while keeping their dignity intact. And I just think that that's such um, a powerful message about how to be generous and the ways that generosity not only affect like the single individual, but also that person's family and wider community as well. Yeah. And that generosity is really um, coming from a, a selfless place. There's not a, a goal there. One could, you know, perhaps like the, the rich man in the story uh, may be saying, okay, this from point A to point B, if I do this, then that can help me get into heaven or whatever. But, but that's not, you know, as we've already said, really the point it's, it's not doing it for any goal other than seeing the inherent goodness of our neighbors, our community members, and saying in the same way that, that I have enough to sustain my life and, and my household, I, I see that as being right and good for other people. And just, I have the means to support other people in doing that. And maybe they're, they're helping on the land and there is that kind of benefit. And maybe they're not... Being able to work for that long, but but still giving that uh, just for the goodness of of the rest of the community. Yeah, the goodness and the dignity, exactly. So now that we kind of have a little bit more about the context and what's going on with Jesus, we're going to read the parable again and then start to focus in on what this might mean to us. And we've, you know, started to already kind of unpack that a little bit, but we'll dig deeper. So I'll read for us again, Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and he found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a Daenerys. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a Daenerys? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first 
and the first will be last. So how how do we really see this parable in our context today? I doubt that many of us uh, own vineyards or probably even <laughs> live in places where they are plentiful unless uh, you're in like <laughs> California or central Washington or such. But um, where are we to find ourselves and find each other in the story today? I think one of the places that I can find myself in this story is in the place of the manager of the hirer that I am, you know, middle class. And that means that I have enough, you know, financial means to provide for my family um, and interact with the world. And I mean, we certainly hire certain people to do things around our house. Um, Or even when I think about, you know, other services that I go and pay to receive, whether that's getting my hair cut um, or going out to a restaurant and that type of thing. And when I'm in those positions, like what does that mean to be generous? For me, is that tipping, being like a generous tipper, um, being kind and empathetic when I'm interacting with salespeople, like perhaps who are really stressed, um, especially as we come into, you know, a more stressful holiday season. And I am certainly not in the position of, you know, hiring like multiple people. But I also then wonder like how I add my add my voice to like advocate for fair treatment and dignified treatment of workers and other situations, whether that's through like showing up in my community in certain ways or how I vote. Um, But one of the ways that I really see that I see myself or people like me is in that place of the hirer of the manager. And then on the other side of things, too, like, I think I can also see myself in the place of the worker. Um, One of the things that Amy Jill Levine really talked about in her chapter on this parable was about how the workers all together, and especially when they perhaps had a more kind attitude towards the payment, that their work helped support the dignity and... um, fair treatment of the other workers. So asking myself the question, how does my work support the dignity and the well-being of other workers? I think both in the immediate, you know, like my actual literal employment, um, but then also when I think about like my life in the community, in the wider community as well. Um, How am I being a a team player and supporting the dignity of others, especially those who have less privilege than I do um, or have a different circumstance that maybe I'm the one who has a little bit more power or ability or skill in a certain area. Does that, I don't know, does any of that ring for you or connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely thinking about um, like really interrogating the times when when I'm in community or faced with a situation, yeah, as a worker, it's it's fun in this context where it's like, oh, well, our whole team is uh, right here on this podcast. But thinking also, about other sorry, times, like no pressure. It's like your supervisor yeah. being like, I don't know. 
how do you see yourself in this? So we can acknowledge that. <laughs> right. But the thinking about the situations when um, seeing a need that other people have and and looking at it and like, how can we fulfill this need? And oftentimes it's nothing about that is going to take away from who I am as a person. It doesn't have any reflection on I'm more or less worthy than my fellow, in this example, let's say workers, you know, but it could just be people. Um, and not to say that, that being part of the community and, and showing God's love and everything doesn't require something of us. It definitely does. And, and um, we, we have to, to give something of ourselves, but especially in, when we think of these like economic contexts too, it's, it's really just about getting everyone to this same level of really dignity, respect, having some sort of integrity in their lives and really wanting that for everyone. And that the integrity and dignity of one person doesn't or ought not take away from, from someone else. So really reflecting, um, even in times where it's just grumbling about, oh, well, I can't believe so-and-so is getting to do this. They're getting more aid or help or accommodation in whatever way. Well, I mean, that's just enabling them to, to be participating in either the workplace or the learning community or whatever it is in the same or a similar way that I am. So, um, yeah, I think just interrogating those times when, when, I want to point at the other people and say, well, that's not fair. It actually, that's not what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it turns out like life isn't fair. It's not supposed to be fair. And it's not an equal isn't always like the answer either. Um, I loved um, how Amy Jill Levine put this, that like Jesus actually isn't, well, this is no surprise, right? And I've said this before too. Jesus isn't a capitalist, like hardcore, not capitalist. And but Jesus also really isn't like a communist either in this idea that we just like share all things together. She put it as like Jesus is an idealist and a pragmatist. And that Jesus in this parable is painting an ep economic image or a hope where those who really have more than enough um, can be generous in how they're hiring and how they're paying um, and really highlighting the pragmatic point of that we are all in this together, um, that each group needs the other, that the workers need the money. And this is still true today. Like people need money to be able to provide for their needs, for their family needs. Um, and the owner needs the labor. Like the owner... And the manager like cannot go out on this vineyard and I don't know what they were doing, picking all the grapes, pruning back the branches, like whatever that huge agricultural task is, these two guys can't do it alone. Um, so Jesus is helping us um, envision, a, envision a way of working together where each of the needs get met um, in a way that honors the other um, and I think especially like, and you started to hint at this too, I wonder about if there's um, an anti-ableist application of this parable 
as well. Like were you like like we were saying, like creating work environments when different types of people can contribute based on their skills and be paid enough to support themselves and their family, like even if there are modifications being made or if the task is something a lot more simple. Um, I was having a conversation when I was at home the other week um, in Pennsylvania visiting family, you know, about a program that takes adults with special needs and helps to train them to do things in offices and other situations like emptying the trash or cleaning up certain things, um, helping with the mail, like that there are basic and important tasks that need to get done that um, we can hire, we can be intentional about who we're hiring and supporting them in that way, that they can have meaningful work that meets a need and they can be paid a dignified wage for that. and that the whole community benefits from that, like in that particular work environment, but like also that family as well of that adult with special needs that that family is then either to able to work or care for other children or rest because they know that that family member is, is working and is in a safe place. So it really ripples out from there. And now, of course, like not every workplace can do all of the accessibility things. But I think across all workplaces, across like our wider communities, like we can do a lot more than we are. Yeah, mutuality and, and meeting other people with there. There's always going to be a way to do that. Um, and I think if we we can think creatively in our communities and our spaces about, um, yeah, I mean, just that generative brainstorming. And even if, like you're saying, you know, we particularly in this context, we might not be able to accommodate whatever um, it may be, like finding ways to to work with other people and and say, well, we can't do this, but how can we still make sure that this need is met and that um, everyone can be whole and have like a good quality of life. Yeah. And that that's, I think the hope of one of the hopes that this parable offers us, um, that we need each other and that we can take care of each other in a way that, that needs are met and dignity is shared and that it can be really hard to set aside that envy or that insecurity or that anxiety that we feel like when we should be getting more or not enough or, you know, like that's a really primal need or feeling or reaction that people can have. But just like this invitation to grow beyond that, um, to be generous, um, that, that that's something that many that many more of us can do than perhaps we already are i hope that if you have been inspired or if you have a question or a comment that you want to share about this conversation today on this parable that you'll find a way to share that with us whether on social media um, you can send us a direct message comment on one of the posts for the week or send us an email because again like the hope is that in our conversations that your mind is running too that you're 
kind of talking back to us, even if we can't hear it in real time, we definitely want to be able to hear it later. So I hope that this was a meaningful exploration of this parable. And next week, we'll dig into another one. Prayer for being generous. God of abundance, you created a world in which there is enough for all people, creatures, and plants. And yet, we people aren't often good at caring and sharing. Anxiety keeps us focused on ourselves and our own families, and we can miss the abundance you have already given us and the needs of our wider community. Envy keeps us focused on building wealth instead of building your kingdom. Open our hearts to move beyond our anxiety and envy to be generous like you. Help us to trust that you provide enough for all of us. When we have extra resources, energy, and time, show us how to share well. May we work together to create communities where all are cared for and have dignified work, wherever, whoever, and however we are. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experience God's love for you and the world in today's episode. Our next Zoom communion is just one week away on Monday, November 20th. As a part of that service, we will also be commemorating the Trans Day of Remembrance. The link to sign up to get the Zoom is in our bios on all of the socials. You can also email me if you want to get on that list. And you've you've already signed up for communion in the past. You're automatically on the list for this time and for all of the times until you tell me otherwise. I know that many of our regular listeners are also congregational leaders and that you are probably getting ready for Advent. It's just a few weeks away. I'm excited to announce that Mother Hen, the social media subscription service of All Places Together, has the perfect thing to get your Advent social media ministry scheduled and done before Thanksgiving. That's right. You can get it done before you're eating turkey. This Wednesday, November 15th, our Advent social media packs are going live on our website. For just $12, you can instantly download your choice of Advent graphics with suggested captions. This is a great way to bring some fresh energy to your social media pages at a time when they are getting a lot of attention and you are stretched thin. And you get to support All Places Together in the process. Just go to our website, allplacestogether.org, click on the store, and you'll be able to see what we have created for you to do more ministry. 
As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Being church together is so important. Thank you to those who give financially to empower the ongoing work of APT. If you'd like to make a financial gift, especially as part of your end of your year giving, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. You can schedule one-time gifts or even set up a recurring donation of any amount through that page. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.